0: Hi guys, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. This is Jessica doing another solo episode. If you guys want to hear from KJ and Taylor, you guys need to badger them, send them some DMs, maybe write us a few emails, because so far, you've heard a lot from me and not a lot from them, and honestly, they have a lot of good things to say, so feel free to send us a message being like, we are ready to hear from KJ and Taylor now, but Until they do, I am going to entertain you, regale you with quite a tale, honestly. So last episode, I released about my IVF journey where I kind of went through a lot. We had an ectopic pregnancy, and then I had surgery to remove my last fallopian tube, so I ended up sterile, and then we did a transfer, an egg retrieval, and did a transfer Um, of a female embryo in January of 2021. Um, And we found out that I was pregnant. It was very exciting. And I left off that recording at five weeks um, of pregnancy, which is obviously very early. Um, But let me tell you what happened after that, because it truly would not be my fertility journey if it didn't just continue to get a little bit wild, you know? So here's what happened. At seven weeks pregnant, uh, we went into the fertility center after doing our HCG draws, which all looked good, um, to do an ultrasound. And Susie, who did my ectopic ultrasound, was our tech for the day. She's not a tech. She's like actually higher level, which is nice because she can actually tell you what she's looking at and seeing versus like a tech who's like, I can neither confirm nor deny whatever's happening. If anyone has been in one of those appointments, those are very annoying. But Susie was there with us, whatever she is, maybe an NP or something. And she did our ultrasound and everything looked so good. We were so relieved. Um, I get very anxious right before ultrasounds just because I've had losses and obviously loss is always an ever-present part of your mind when you have infertility. Um, So she did the heart rate and she measured the baby and everything looked so good. We were so relieved and we were done with the ultrasound. (laughs) And she goes, wait a second, I think there's another one in here. Um, and that is the moment that we found out that we were having identical twin girls. (laughs) So, um, I kept asking her, my husband immediately started filming, which is very nice. So we have this nice video. Um, and I'm just like, are you, are you joking? Are you sure? Are you serious? And I got a little bit teary, but also was just like full blown shock. Could not believe it. Um, I asked her what the chances of that were, and she was like, well, they're not that high, but if anyone's going to beat the odds, it will be you, because she knew that I had been through the ectopic pregnancy and my surgery and everything, so she was very kind. Um, So yeah, we were floored, just completely like, "Are, are you kidding me? There's two babies in there. Okay, no big deal. We'll just have to deal with that then. But a large part of me, like, didn't believe it. Like, okay, I even, I think I even asked her, like, well, what are the chances of it, like, being a vanishing twin? Like, is it really a twin that's going to stick around? And she was like, no, it still is possible. But the the baby was measuring the same size as the other baby and had a really strong heartbeat. So she was like, I mean, I think this one is sticking around. We were shocked. (laughs) And then we came home. And we did tell our daughter, and I, you know, was like, oh, there's two babies in mommy's belly. So she just started saying, one, two babies in mommy's belly. And then later on in the week, she would play with her uh, two baby dolls. She actually has two bitty babies, weirdly. Um, They're not both hers, but she has two at our house. And she was carrying them around together. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is our future. It's very wild, and she was like, "These are my sisters," and I just like melted into a million pieces. Melted into a million pieces. I melted into a puddle, and my heart broke into a million pieces because it was just so cute. So, we did tell her, but we did not tell anyone else. Um, we had to cut up our ultrasounds for the first, uh, couple of ultrasounds because, like, my sister would be watching my daughter or my mom. Because of COVID, she couldn't come with us to the fertility center, and so we would just give them like one picture that like looked like two blobs that were stuck together that you would never be able to tell were twins. Um, so that was our really good news, and we were so happy. And we ended up doing an ultrasound every week between seven weeks and twelve weeks. Um, and as we went, we found out. That maybe our twins were maybe not the typical normal type of twins. Um, so Susie in our first ultrasound was very nice and was like, there's only um, one yoke sac, I believe is what the term is. She was like, so they could be what's called mono-mono twins or mono dye. Um, But like don't Google anything, just wait until you find out which was the best advice that we got. So so we went through many ultrasounds those first, like, that first month or two. Um, and every time they kept being like, oh, I feel like, you know, I see a membrane. They could be mono monodi or, oh, you know what? There's no membrane. They're probably mono-mono. And I'll explain what all these terms mean because we went along and we're just kind of, like, not looking into it, not trying to figure it out. Um, at 10 weeks, when we went to the, to the OB for the first time, um, we found out that there was concern that they were conjoined, um, because in our ultrasounds, they had not been photographed, I guess, uh, apart from each other. They were always connected at the torso. Um, and so it became very stressful for me, especially I think my husband was kind of like, well, they won't be conjoined. And I was like, they very well could be conjoined. And I also don't know much about conjoined twins. So my fear was also like, if they weren't conjoined now, are they going to grow to be conjoined? I just didn't know anything. So I did end up asking questions and was assured that they don't grow to be conjoined. Once there's like an ultrasound and you can see they're fully split or not split. And so it is what it is, but I was very worried they were conjoined. And so I actually uh, went back in for another ultrasound, um, because I was bleeding a little bit, not a lot, not enough to be freaking out, but enough that I felt I could get away with coming in. Um, and I had so much anxiety about the bleeding and about the pregnancy because we were now worried that they were conjoined. So I went in and I told the, um, ultrasound person, tech, I think she was actually a tech. Um, I was like, yeah, like in the world of fertility, I've kind of done it all. You know, I did all the fertility treatments. I've had lots of surgeries, you know, like my pregnancy, my delivery, I just, a lot of things went wrong. You know, I've kind of done everything that you can do in this world. And then, and then she started scanning me, you know, and she goes, these are mono mono twins? And she was like, you really have done everything in the fertility world, right? And I was like, yeah, I really have. So she was able to confirm to me. She was like, I'm 99% sure that they are not conjoined. It looks like they are moving separately. Like when one would move, the other one didn't move with it. And so she reassured me, I felt a lot better, but we still were like, we're not going to look up what mono mono twins are. We're not going to do anything until we go to what's called maternal fetal medicine, which is basically the doctor for the babies. Right? So we went to maternal fetal medicine at 12 weeks and it was quite an appointment I tell you what. So um, we had a wonderful ultrasound person. Um, We really became close to many ultrasound people who have done over and over again, done my scans. Um, And she was so nice. And she was like, you know what? I, I feel like I can see a membrane. I can see a membrane. And she would go over it and we could see it There was a line that would go in between them, but it didn't go all the way through. So she'd be like, I mean, it could be a membrane. It could not. And finally, I was like, I asked the question that I needed to have asked not forever ago, but that had been weighing on my mind. And I said, what is the difference between a membrane and not? So the idea is we knew for sure that we only had one placenta going between our two babies. But there's a difference between mono mono twins and mono di twins so mono mono twins are one placenta one sac the theory is that they split later in the in the pregnancy and so they share more things they share the same sac a mono di set of twins has one placenta but they have two sacs and that's the most common form of identical twin. Um, like 70% of identical twins are that. And then the next type of identical twin is di-di. So they have two placentas and two sacs. They look the same as fraternal twins in the womb, but then when they come out, you find out that they are identical. So, And then you obviously have conjoined twins, which split even later than mono-mono twins, um, and they share the sac, the placenta, and usually some vital organs. Um, And so I finally was like, what's the difference, you know? And she just very nonchalantly said, well, the difference is is if there is a membrane and they're mono-dye, then you get to, like, stay home for your whole pregnancy. But if they're mono-mono, at 24 weeks, you're going to move into the hospital. And I was like please find a membrane. <laughs> like, please, please find a membrane. I do not want to move into the hospital at 24 weeks. What are you talking about? So she looked and she couldn't tell if there was a membrane and if that membrane went all the way through or not. Um, so she called in the actual doctor. So the doctor came in and <laughs> within like two minutes of scanning, she was like, I feel like, Very comfortable. They are 100% Mono Mono twins. This was obviously not what we wanted to hear, but, you know, also I was like, as long as they're alive and healthy, we're great, you know? So I was like, well, then, do you want to tell us what that means? And she began to list off quite a long list of risks that come along with carrying Mono Mono twins. Um, And so the risks are many. So I am officially still pregnant with Mono Mono twins. I am 31 weeks right now and there is so much that could have gone wrong along the way that did not go wrong. And we are so, so, so relieved and grateful. It actually has been a very nice pregnancy. It has not even been necessarily as stressful as my first pregnancy, um, in a lot of ways, probably because of all the extra monitoring and stuff, so I got to check on the babies a lot. But it truly, for everything that could have gone wrong, we're so grateful and happy that nothing has gone wrong yet. So, some of the things that could go wrong, um, there's something called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, which is where uh, the placenta favors one twin over the other, and this is uncommon in mono mono twins because Mono-Mono twins share their amniotic fluid, which makes it a lot less likely, but it is still possible. Um, there's also inner uterine growth restriction, IUGR, um, which is basically when baby stops growing in the womb, um, and then you have problems because of that. Another thing is the biggest thing. The reason that I will, I have been in the hospital for two months now, um, is that because the babies share one sac, their cords are just in there with them. So you have two babies and two babies' cords and a placenta all in the same uterus. So what happens is that these babies, because they're in the same sac, they have the cords of two babies going into the placenta, um, but those cords can get wrapped around the babies, they can get wrapped around um, themselves. And so the cords get into these really huge knots. Um, We'll post a link to some pictures in the show notes because (laughs) knots can be pretty gnarly, like the size of your fist of just like a huge knot of like so much cord. Um, It kind of looks like if you've seen Harry Potter, uh, when he eats the gillyweed, it's kind of like that size. And it looks like that where it's just like a knotted mess, um, and what happens at times, what can happen is that the one of those cord knots will be pulled tight and it will cut off the blood supply to one or the other baby um, and then obviously, you would eventually lose that baby, and that baby would not live through the pregnancy. Um, and so what they do is they, to prevent this is they just have you come into the hospital and you do regular monitoring. Um, every hospital, every doctor has a different level of monitoring, but it's generally agreed upon that the safest way to keep these babies alive is to check in on them very regularly (laughs) to the point where you need to be living in the hospital. And so the reason that they do this intense monitoring is because if you end up um, in a mono-mono twin pregnancy, if you do end up having something happen with the cords and you end up losing one of the babies, um, they have to take the other baby out pretty much immediately because the pressure from the blood um, flow in the cord, because it's all shared... Um, it changes the pressure in the amniotic sac and it can cause brain damage in the living twin. And so it's very important that you're in the hospital close to an operating room so that if something does happen, you can get both babies out immediately, hopefully resuscitate the one baby and hopefully prevent brain damage in the other baby. So we're, we're basically there, 12 weeks pregnant with twins, finally, finally accepting like there are two babies in there. Okay. We're wrapping our mind around that. (laughs) And she says, well, you're going to have to go to the hospital at 24 weeks. Otherwise one or both of your babies might die. So why don't you just sit with that information for a while? So I cried the whole way home, um, because I realized that this was not going to be great. Um, the, Ideal time to deliver mono-mono twins is between 32 and 34 weeks, and so they're very premature, so it's a guaranteed NICU stay. So it's basically, congratulations, you're having mono-mono twins, you're going to be in the hospital for two months of your pregnancy until you give birth, and then your babies will be in the NICU for about a month, maybe two, And then you can take them home. And then you get to have twins at that point. So there's really no point in the entire cycle where you get to like just rest. It just is trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma, truly. So now I am seven weeks into my hospital stay. I've been here for a long time. And I can tell you that it is not as bad as you might be thinking. But in other ways, it is a lot worse than what you're thinking. <laughs> it truly has been such an experience. This has been um, similar to what I talked about in my last episode. This has been something that I have really had to grow and accept. That is, It's just completely out of my control. Um, I asked the... MFM doctor, I was like, well, if I go on bed rest, are they less likely to like get wrapped up in their cords? Is there anything I can do to help? She's like, there's not a single thing that you can do. Like either they're going to make it to 24 weeks and then we can do a C-section if we need to, or they aren't going to make it to 24 weeks. And so in that way, that's how this pregnancy has been a lot easier than my pregnancy um, with my daughter my first daughter, um, I just have really had to accept that I don't have any control over whether these babies live or die um, in there. The only thing I can do is monitor them and give them the best chance at survival by getting them out of there as soon as I can if we see something go wrong. But up until 24 weeks, it was quite a practice in just like accepting that this is about my babies, it's not about me. Obviously, I want them to live so bad. So bad. Obviously, I still do. They still are not outside of my body, so I still am worried about them. I want them to make it, you know. But there's just this level of acceptance of if they want to be alive, if they want to do this work, if they want to be born, they want to go through the NICU, if they want to go through everything that life has, then they're going to find a way to not wrap their cords around each other and they're going to make it work. Um, and it has felt, it's been a very like, I feel very connected to them as my, as more individuals rather than like just a baby that is in my belly. I feel like this is really up to them that they have to be strong babies because I can't help them in the womb and I cannot help them when they're in the NICU. Um, I can only help them once they come home. But that's so far from now and I knew that they needed to do all of this really hard stuff on their own before they come. So it's been very interesting to feel really connected to them like as individuals who get to choose things about their life rather than just like oh, you're just babies that are growing in my belly, you know, and we'll, I'll meet you when you come out. But I feel very connected to them because I get to see them. Like I have an ultrasound probably every other day. Um, I go to maternal fetal medicine every two weeks and I have the whole pregnancy since 12 weeks, I guess. Um, and I get to hear their heartbeats all day long because I'm on the monitors making sure that they're safe and healthy. So this really has been quite an experience. Um, I will be doing some reels and some posts about what life is like in the hospital and how I've maintained my positive attitude because honestly, um, I think I've done a very good job of being positive and writing through whatever comes up because it just is what it is, you know? And I think a lot of the things that I went through last year with my ectopic pregnancy, um, and losing my last tube, it just is like, we accept the things that we can't control. We really just have to learn to do that and to make the best of everything else. And so as soon as I stepped foot in the hospital, um, I cried for a day or two and it was really hard to leave my daughter. Unbelievably hard, hard to leave my husband, hard to just know that I was stuck in this hospital. (laughs) I'm not allowed to leave, you know, just a lot of difficulty, um, letting go of my normal life, but I let myself cry for like two days. And then I said, well, I'm choosing to be here. I know why I'm choosing to be here. So let's just do it. (laughs) So, um, since then I have been really good at focusing on the positive, allowing the nurses to do whatever they need to, to monitor the babies, because that's why I'm here and I will do anything to make sure these babies are okay And luckily they have been champs. They are so good at growing, which I'm so proud of them for. So we're on our way. We're almost done. We just have a couple more weeks. um, And then I will get to meet them, which is really exciting. And then they get to do their hard work in the NICU. And I'll get a little bit of a, not a break in any way, shape, or form, but I'll be able to go home, which will be so welcome. And then I'll be commuting back and forth from the NICU for however long they're there. And then eventually we'll just get to have some new babies at home, which is very exciting. So we're really excited. So really it's been quite a year. Um, there's just a lot of points of telling people like, Hey, I'm pregnant with twins. And everyone's like, yay, this is so exciting. And then and my husband having to immediately kind of like rain on their parade and be like, well, it is very exciting, but they're actually very high risk, very rare. Um, it is dangerous for them to be in my body. We're going to try and get them out as soon as possible. You know, they're going to be premature. I'm going to have to live in the hospital for two months and no one can believe that or wrap their minds around it. And I don't think you should really ever have to, because I really hope that none of you have to live in the hospital for 2 months. I mean, it's it's just so long. It is very shocking how long it is. Um and I think it's shocking to everyone even just tonight my the person who takes my order from room service finally was just like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and I was laughing and I was like, yeah, actually every time you talk to me and I'm still here, that's actually good. Cause I'm trying to keep my babies in my body for as long as possible. And she was like, what a relief. She was like, I've been worried about you for so long. Cause you've just been at the hospital for so long. Um, and I was laughing just cause eventually you get to know everyone. I know a lot of people in the hospital. right now. <laughs> it's just a very interesting way of living life. Um, There is an added layer of difficulty in that COVID um, is still in existence, um, and the Delta variant is in existence. So when I came into the hospital, they had just opened up labor and delivery um, so that you could have two visitors at any time. So like at any moment, I could have two people in my room. Um, but unfortunately, none of those people can be under the age of twelve, so I have not been able to have my daughter up to my room and that has been so hard very hard um very sad. I have to go downstairs on a walk and I have about an hour where I can meet with her play with her, and then I have to come back up and get on the monitors again so that has been easily the hardest part of the whole thing um but I have been able to have visitors, which has helped my sanity a lot. Um, But because of Delta, they did just change my visitation policy. So now I have to have two people per day that are named. Um, And it is just very... I'm okay with it because I'm almost done with my hospital stay. But it is... It's hard to have something restricted even more when you are already in such a restricted position. Um, And then... In the NICU, um, I, our babies will be restricted to just parents, um, and no one else can see them for the first, however long they're in there, which is really hard. So there are there have been some elements of like difficulty because of COVID um, that we wouldn't have had to deal with if it wasn't COVID season for the past eighteen months, <laughs> um, but. We are adapting, we are changing. You know, it just is what it is. I'm happy to see my daughter downstairs whenever I can. She loves to call me on the ring doorbell and say, "I'm gonna to talk to Mom," and we talk through the doorbell, <laughs> or she facetimes me or, you know, whatever it is that she wants. But just it's been very interesting because literally the number of things in my life right now that I cannot control is innumerable. I cannot tell you how little I do have control over. Um, and so I have really learned to just embrace what I can control and to make the best of a really not fun, not easy situation. Um, I don't wish this on anyone. (laughs) I mean, I think having twins is wonderful and beautiful and I am so excited for identical twin girls. I cannot tell you how much fun I think that they're going to be. I think it's going to be the best experience. Um, I'm so grateful that we have them and that they're doing well, but man, word to the wise. If you're going to have identical twins, definitely go for that die dye placenta, two placenta, two sacs thing. That's the way to do it. I am telling you. Um, and if you can't do that, do mono die. With one placenta and two sacks, because there's risks with that, but you know, you don't have to live in the hospital for two months. <laughs> so just try not to, you know, identical twins are wonderful, but try not to like really do, you know, the mono mono thing. I just don't fully recommend it, honestly. So this is where we are. Life is really hard. It's really hard for my husband and my daughter at home who are having to continue to live life, but life looks radically different since I'm gone. Um, I'm fine because I get to spend my time watching my babies on the monitor and then working, podcasting, talking with nurses, reading books, watching shows, you know, just kind of chilling and vegging out for a long time. So things are really not that hard for me as long as I can do a lot of good self-care to keep my mental state intact because it can get pretty darn boring here. But I think I've done a really good job of um, doing a lot of self-care and whatnot, and I'll do several posts and reels about that too because it's just I'm in such a weird experience right now. The things I've learned are just so niche to what I have been experiencing, and it's been the craziest. So. If you have questions, which I'm sure you'll have a million of them, you can go to our Instagram at thoughts.podcast and send us a DM and I will answer whatever question you want because this really is a lot of confusing information. We have been through a lot. We've been confused through a lot. There's things that I still don't fully understand, um, but we are doing it. We're doing our best because That's all you can do when life throws you wild curveballs. It's the same thing that I said in the last episode. When life throws you a curveball, all you can do is duck. And that's okay. And so we're figuring it out one day at a time. We will continue to do that until maybe the twins leave our home. Maybe then we'll be, you know, more on top of it. I don't know how long it's going to take. So we will see. Um, If you guys have any suggestions on names, on how to get through a lengthy NICU stay. um, If you've done that before, if you have any ideas on parenting and bringing home two babies at once, please let me know because all of this is so new and so shocking and we just have been in a lot of denial (laughs) that we're literally gonna bring two babies home because I think that was a lot easier than accepting the reality. You know, it's a lot easier to be in denial. I was in pretty hardcore denial that I was going to go to the hospital until the day before. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to live in a hospital tomorrow. This is absurd. Um, But as with everything, we slowly adapt and come to terms with it. So we are coming to terms with the fact that we were having two babies and now we need help. So if you have any tips or advice or anything, please let me know. Or if you even just want to exchange weird hospital stories if you've been in the hospital for some amount of time, even just a few days and you want to be like that hospital food, man. I could talk about it all day because it's all I've eaten for 7 weeks. So just, you know, please send me a DM. Let's talk. Let's figure this out. So, thank you for listening. It's been a wild ride. It will continue to be a wild ride and I'll keep you guys all updated as I go through it and we'll see what happens. We'll see when we have these babies and uh, we'll go from there. So have a great week and thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.